Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Red Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BoxNation.com, Evan Wanish. And today, we are going to take a look at what has been a productive free agency period for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Obviously, a big signing in the secondary this week to kick things off here on the show. But we are going to go move by move, if you will, and give it a letter grade. It is the free agency grade edition of the Cannon Fire podcast. But before we get back into that, Evan, how you doing, my friend? I'm good, and uh, no longer have the the beautiful picture uh, yeah. <laughs> of, of of my face. So now back on video. So uh, happy to happy to be there. Now I can show my true reactions. To everything, which you know. Hasn't been smiling the entire time, but hey, you know, it's still it's a good picture. So um, but uh, yeah, definitely good to be back on video and good to be finally grading um the, the Bucks for agency. I put out an article actually on BucksNation.com I think last week, uh actually talking about the grades, but we have a few new signings to talk about here. So um that will since the last time we recorded it happened, but also not even mentioned in my article because they hadn't happened at the time. So uh, some activities from the Bucks here lately. Yeah, we're about to ramp up our draft coverage on the other side of this pod today. And uh, we've had your smile and face here on the show the last few weeks. You've had a lot to smile about. Hopefully today going over the free agency acquisitions for Tampa Bay, we have a lot more to smile about looking ahead into 2023. But the latest signing. The one that we hinted to to start the show, Ryan Neal, the former Seattle Seahawk. And something that we had talked about on last week's uh, episode of the show was that absence of a true strong safety presence for the Bucks. right? Antoine Winfield is, is good playing the nickel. He's a good free safety, however you want to use him. Even attacking the quarterback, he can get after it. But, you know, he's not the strongest run support guy. And it, it seemed like between Keanu Neal and Logan Ryan, who both played you know, serviceably for the Bucks last season, that run support was was not there. And um, at the end of the day, I think that strong safety presence that you're looking for with the absence of Keanu Neal and Mike Edwards as well, uh, you get that in Ryan Neal. The Bucks signed him to a one-year contract. And uh, after stepping in as a starter for the Seahawks in week five, he didn't allow a single touchdown 
and just a 54.3% completion percentage as the primary coverage player on 35 targets. He was one of the highest graded safeties on PFF in 2022. Uh, the Bucks got some pretty good value with this signing. And, and to be honest with you, I think overall, it's one of those signings that's, you know, going to be the most impactful when we look at this free agency class at the end of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the contract details aren't officially out yet, but it, the interesting story with, with Neil and, and his whole free agency was he was actually a restricted free agent um, that the Seahawks put a tender on originally. Uh, you can do that, and then if a team wants to sign you, just like it's similar in the NHL, NBA, and stuff, um, that team that wants to sign you has to give compensation to sign you. However, the Seahawks... Uh, took away their their tender, so that made him an unrestricted free agent. So that allowed the Bucks to kind of swoop in here and, and, and make the deal. So he's only twenty seven years old. It's not like this is a. Uh, I'm not saying he's super young, but he's also not a, a veteran per se, a thirty plus year old guy. So if he plays well, he could be a guy with you know to step into future plans as well. So uh, I I do think there's a lot of upside to it, and like you said, they they needed that strong safety guy, and before that, Anton Winfield Jr. and Nolan Turner were the only two safeties on the roster. So uh, they lost Keanu Neal, they lost Mike Edwards, Logan Ryan's still out there. There's, there's a chance he could be back, I guess, but um. They they were going to add some sort of safety, I think, to the mix, and 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 they could even draft one pretty high uh, in, in April's draft. So, which is crazy that it's almost three weeks away. But, um, so yeah, we'll have to wait and see what they do with the rest of the safety position. But I mean, it's if history has shown us what the Bucks have done this free agency, they likely got Neil for a pretty good value. Yeah, and. You know, a breakout season in 2022 is something a lot of people are talking about. And you mentioned his age, entering only his fifth season in the NFL. Um, this is a guy that obviously does have the upside. What is your overall opinion of him as a player, though? Like, do, do you think this is ultimately going to be one of the better signings for the Bucks when we talk about it, you know, a year from now and, and potential new free agents and all that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, like I talked about the upside, but at the same time, it's a smaller sample size. Um, so I think you'd like to see maybe a little bit of bigger sample size. And we don't know what his role is officially going to be uh, in, in Tampa Bay. So if the Bucks go out and draft the guy at strong safety, uh, maybe that cuts into his playing time a little bit. So I'm not 100% sure if he's going to be a full-time starter or not, but I think he can be. And I think he his play in Seattle last year earned him the opportunity Um to get more playing time wherever he went, whether he stayed in Seattle, whether he, you know, now he's in Tampa Bay. So uh, I do think there is, like I said, there's upside where if he hits, you could find a legit starter that, you know, you may have to pay next year. Sure. But I mean, it's better than having to to go out and, and try and find that guy. So hopefully, you know, a hole here is filled. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what kind of role he does end up having in a Todd Bowles defense because, you know, he filled in for Jamal Adams after his season was over in Seattle. So it's like, you know, the the role that he stepped into, obviously big shoes, but again, breakout season in 2022 and given a lot of people a lot to be excited about. It, it, it doesn't quite feel like a high risk, high reward signing. I don't want to say that because I do think this guy is going to blossom into a solid player. And, and I think it's, you know, when you compare him to a Keanu Neal, I feel like it's almost a lateral move and maybe could have more upside, you know, if he does develop. I, I into- think I think it, de- it definitely has more upside, I think. Yeah. I, I, I think um, Keanu, Keanu Neal was a guy I wanted back, mm-hmm. but I, I think this move would have has more upside than that because there's just he's 
you said he's not he's only in his fifth season like mm-hmm. this guy isn't as experienced so maybe there is something else to unlock there yeah so if i had to slap a letter grade on it i i feel optimistic and and again i feel like this is going to be uh one of the more underrated signings in the grand scheme of things i know we all get excited about the quarterback and and what getting to watch that competition but the secondary needed some help they got a serviceable strong safety with some upside i will give it an a just just an a what do you think yeah, I'll go with a B plus um, just because I don't think it's their only move at safety. So, like, I just don't know how much he's going to play. But like I said, the upside is there. So and don't know the exact contract details, but it's not going to be a ton. So, yeah, I would go with a B plus. I was thinking a minus and I think either one is fine. I think your A grade is fine as well, because he showed out last year like he was one of the better players on that Seattle defense and Seattle's defense wasn't great last year but um kind of came out of the blue and really played well so hopefully he can continue continue that so like you said words are hard so yeah it's all right um <laughs> before last week's episode we had talked for I mean it what felt like months I think as soon as we started talking about potential releases for Tampa Bay uh, Ryan Suckup was one of those potential releases. It took a little bit of time, but since the last time we talked to you, uh, the greatest number three in franchise history is no longer a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. So thank you, Ryan Suckup, for everything. I mean, the guy is the model of consistency under 50 yards. And uh, to be honest with you, when you don't have an offense that is number one in the NFL at moving the football and scoring in the red zone, it, you kind of get to see where a kicker like that can can come to be exposed. He was getting a little bit older. He was making a lot of money as well under the Buccaneers payroll. So they had to part ways. They bring in former Colts kicker Chase McLaughlin, who is entering his fifth NFL season, obviously following the trend of getting younger in a lot of different positions. During the 2022 season with the Colts, McLaughlin recorded a career-high 30 field goals, which was good for eighth most in the NFL and uh, topped kickers who did not appear in all 17 games. He also totaled nine field goals from 50 or more yards, which is a single-season franchise record for the Colts. And when you compare it to Ryan Suckup from 50-plus yards in 2022, he went 2-4-7, which was obviously a weak point for the Bucs at more than one point during the season. You know, with a career percentage like he has, I gotta say, I I don't think it's going to be a foregone conclusion that McLaughlin is your week one starter, at least right now. I I think there is you know, a chance the Bucks look at bringing in a legitimate leg for training camp. I know Jose Borgales is doing his thing in the XFL right now, but I'm sure there's going to be a camp invite waiting for him down the road somewhere, if not someone else who could come in and uh, bring the heat there. But, you know, looking at what happened here, I, I know that you got to, uh, you got to bank on range because like I said, Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask, you know, it's not Tom Brady. This offense, even with Tom Brady, was not a sure thing in 2022. And uh, your kicking game was exposed. So you got to you gotta get a little more of a younger leg in there, and that's what they get. But I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't, feel, I don't feel the easiest about it, especially because uh, the Bucs were victims of kicking troubles for so long. And, you know, I kind of thought we got away from that for a little bit. So... So my relief is is halted for a minute until we see what this kicking competition looks like. But I'm going to go ahead and give this move a B. Um, you know, I, I think he got better in some ways and maybe worse in others at the kicking position. Yeah, I'll go with a B, too. Um, yeah, it's fine. And and like you said, I do agree that, like, it's no guarantee that he's, like, the guy. Um, because I do think they could uh, bring in someone else. I don't think it's going to be necessarily a veteran free agent, but 
you know, I know people are going to hate this, but I do think they could use a draft pick on a kicker. I mean, they have, I think, three sixth-round picks and a seventh-round pick. So, I mean, you could easily use one of them on a kicker. Um, so, and there's actually, there's a couple this year that are kind of worthy of being drafted. Like, you you see a lot of kickers being undrafted for agents and stuff. There's probably three or four that, like, have a legit shot to be drafted. Um, you know, luckily, there's no kicker that's going to be drafted on day two uh, by the Buccaneers. But... Um, you know, there's a shot that they on day three, you just take a flyer on somebody. Like I said, you got four picks in the last two rounds. Take one of them. I mean, that's that could be a starter right there. You know, that's technically a starter. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. Like you said, that McLaughlin is going to be the guy. However, uh, he does provide longer range than Suckup did. And, you know, like what Suckup did for the franchise shouldn't ever be forgotten because, I mean, he was huge, especially during the Super Bowl run, not missing a field goal, uh, only missing one extra point. Like, you know, he was he was huge. Um, but, uh, you know, age kind of catches up. If you saw the numbers, they started to go down each year um, and just – you know, it, I think it was time to move on. They had some salary cap troubles, and you brought up the best point. Like, even with Tom Brady, the offense wasn't getting as close to the red zone or, you know, to make those short field goals as possible. They're going to need a guy with some range because there's no guarantee, you know, they're going to be, oh, only kicking 38-yard field goals um, because the offense likely won't be as good. So, like, they're going to have some times where they're going to need their kicker to make a 54-yarder. Like, and, and just, just towards the end there, there was just there was no confidence in Ryan Suggup. And honestly, I don't know why the Bucks kept trotting him out there um, to attempt them because it was clear, like, some of the attempts were ugly, too. And it was clear that, like, it just it wasn't going to work. So, kudos to Suggup. Hats off to him. But, um, yeah, time to move on. Yeah, I mean, this guy's career high, I think, is 53 yards. Um, he's not getting any younger, and, and just like we had talked about, you know, the cap situation. So easy move for the Bucks, and hopefully we get to see another legitimate kicking competition as the anxiety sets in for the people who have witnessed uh, a lot of kickers come and go here in Tampa Bay. So hopefully we can find a legitimate answer by week one of the NFL season. The next guy we're going to talk about here and put a grade on kind of start the trend of uh, something I'm I, I'm going to mention a lot. And I feel like it's obviously going to be, you know, a key word in this Bucks free agency, given the cap limitations that they have. Uh, but that that key word is value. And I think that's something that's going to help the Bucks out in the grand scheme of things when you evaluate this free agency, because, you know, are they are they hitting home runs with with guaranteed talented guys like they have the last few years? No, absolutely not, because they don't have the resources for it. But you know, given what they have brought in, I, I do think they made it out of things relatively unscathed. Granted, the uh, you know the second largest cap hit in NFL history they had to endure to to kick off the offseason. So Baker Mayfield, we will get to watch Tampa Bay's first quarterback battle in over a decade with the addition of former number one overall pick, Mister Baker Mayfield. And 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 honestly, everything has been said on this podcast about Baker on both ends of the spectrum, right? I mean, the conversation has been wore out by this point. You know what the upside is with this guy. He's a former number one overall pick for a reason. You look at what, you know, some of the good he was able to do in Cleveland. Not a lot he was able to do in Carolina, but, you know, he really, really, in a league that relies on recency bias, he really changed some people's minds with what he was able to do in L.A. Um Granted, it was a short time and he didn't have a lot of time to learn the playbook or get included in that organization, but he went out there and he balled the best he could, right? So 
I think all of that to say, you know, my favorite thing about Baker is that it's finally some worthwhile competition for Kyle Trask. And like, that's going to be the most exciting part of, of camp this year. You know, we're going to be in the middle of summer watching Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield go at it. These are two guys who want to play. And, uh, you know, I wanted to ask really quickly before we get into the, the Baker signing, just some rumbling and, 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 you know, I, I don't I don't know the source that this came from. I saw it on Joe Buck's fan, so take it for what you will. Uh, I guess Kyle Trask had voiced some level of frustration with the signing of Baker Mayfield. I don't know if you've heard anything about that. I mean, is that a whole nothing burger that I also expect it to be? Because if anybody knew that they were going to be signing some competition this year, it seems like it would be Kyle Trask. So I can't imagine why he would be too upset with the acquisition of a guy like Baker. Yeah, I haven't I haven't personally heard anything like that. Um yeah, like you just said, I shouldn't come as a surprise that they were gonna sign somebody else. Um I mean, yeah, you should just you should have the mindset of wanting to beat him out. So it shouldn't really matter who they sign. Like you should have that mindset that you're gonna beat the guy out. So if that is true, like it's not great for Kyle Trask because like you shouldn't be worrying about that at all. You should be worrying about yourself. Um, you know, don't worry about that guy. Like beat him out then, you know, just be better than him. So, um, you know, I, I haven't heard anything. Uh, I, I haven't personally heard that, but yeah, it will be a true quarterback competition. And honestly, and we talked about this on the show, I think right after sort of Baker was signed, maybe even before he was signed that no matter who they brought in, like it was going to be the first real competition since like, I don't know, like when, like, Never, like, never. Like, Kyle Trask like, is like, like, like. Oh, but I'm saying, like, like in Bucks, like the past, like Josh Freeman was pretty much the guy, yeah. right? Like, there was no. They drafted Mike Glennon, sure, but 2013 it was Josh Freeman, like, sure. Uh, 2014 they signed Josh McCown, Mike Glennon was there, but like Josh McCown was a starter. 2015 James Winston, 2016 James Winston, 2017 James Winston, 2018 James Winston, 2019 James Winston, and 2020 it's Tom Brady. So this is the first time that they're having like. Yeah, like the QB one thing, like there is nobody with maybe I think Baker Mayfield probably has the edge, but there's nobody with like, oh, yeah, he's probably going to win it. Like, ah, like it is truly, I think, how these guys are going to perform and perform in this offense. So we'll see. Yeah, obviously some new variables in the mix. It's not a Byron Leftwich offense anymore. It's not a Bruce Arians long developing route, need the best O-line in the world kind of playbook. So, uh, you know, you hope Dave Canales can really bring the best out of some of these young guys. But but let me ask as well, while we are on the topic of best case scenario here, right? Best case scenario in the signing of Baker Mayfield, even for Kyle Trask, like, you know, the best case scenario here is that either one of these guys live up to a little bit of that potential that they have. Right. Like I think if the Bucks can come out of this with a fairly competent quarterback at the end of the day who can win them a couple of games, then maybe you'll have more answers than questions headed into the offseason next year, however that shakes out. But um, you know, another thing I wanted to talk about very briefly before we give a grade on Baker Mayfield. I had heard this mentioned, I had seen it on social media, and it was kind of an interesting question. Um when we talk about this offense, and and you know, obviously the quarterback comes into play, we'll get into the running back later. But this offense as a whole, is it fair for people to expect improvement? Or is that just like, is is that just kind of a wild concept? Because I, I can obviously see both sides of the argument here. You know, it, it's Dave Canales who, 
you know, doesn't have Tom Brady, but a lot of people would probably be quick to say is arguably a better offensive coordinator than Byron Leftwich in 2022 was a much better offensive coordinator than Byron Leftwich. Um, he, he wasn't the offensive coordinator, though. That, that, that is, is the true. Thing. That you, is you true. Don't, you don't yeah. know. You don't that's, know. That's the variable. It's the unknown. No. So a fresh face at offensive coordinator. This is obviously his first shot, but everyone attributes what he was able to do with Gino and in, in saying that he'll be a natural fit. I have a lot of faith in Canales. But, you know, certain positions, certain things about this team, you know, not saying they're going to go out there and win more games, not saying they're going to go out there and win the NFC South. I'm not saying the Bucs are going to be projected to win more than 10 games this year. But it's it's like, you know, if they drop off, how much are they going to drop off? Because it's a lot of new going on in this offense. So if they get marginally better, even if they are a worse football team overall, but if they get marginally better on offense with a defense that played as well as they did in 2022, I mean, listen, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket here, but what I'm trying to ask you is, you know, it it doesn't seem as crazy as, as one would first think to expect this offensive unit to improve in 23. No. um, But like, like I said, it's just, it's that unknown. It's, Who's the quarterback? You have a first-time offensive coordinator play car in the NFL. Um, you're going to have a lot of change along the offensive line. Um, so, I mean, yeah, Shaq It's Mason's a lot of uncertainty. There. I will say that. Yeah. I, I failed to mention that part. There's obviously a lot of upside if everything goes well. Yeah, but- and, you know, Shaq Mason's not there. Donovan Smith's not there. Leonard Fournette's not there. It's, you know, I mean, the only consistent thing is the wide receivers. The wide receivers are still there. So, um, yeah, I... I it's tough because when you talk about that and you say, okay, well, if the offense gets largely better, maybe they are a worse football team. That doesn't bode well for the defense then. Because, I mean, they they went eight and nine with right. a pretty brutal offense and the defense really carried them. So if the offense gets better, you would think that, like, naturally the team's going to win more than eight games, right? I mean, you can't predict injuries and stuff, but you would hope. That's the logic, right? And, I mean, it doesn't sound crazy. It really doesn't. And, and when you give this defense the credit they deserve, I, I think going into 23, regardless of what the offense looks like, I mean, it hopefully shouldn't, but it could look like a dumpster fire, but this defense is still pretty damn good. Um, and I think the Bucks could win more games than people would give them credit for. But that's neither here nor there. We'll get into that a little bit more deeper as the offseason goes on. But let's get in. Actually, let's put a letter grade on Baker Mayfield. We never officially said I gave it uh B minus because it's not the best free agent quarterback they could have got. Everyone knows that I am a Minshew mark. I mean, I would have loved to see Minshew mania running wild in Tampa Bay, but we can't always get what we want. Um, I know you may have been a little higher on someone like Jacoby Brissett who ends up going to Washington. So, so what do you make of, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield as that free agent QB we had talked about all off season? Um, I would give it a B, I think, just because, the, I mean, they basically got him for $4 million. Like, I was expecting a deal to be a little bit more, so, um, and I thought maybe it could be a two-year deal even, but it's a one-year deal. There's very little risk. Like, the only way it's $8.5 million is if he reaches those incentives, and the way he reaches those incentives is by playing. So, if he doesn't win the job, he doesn't get them. So, it's very... Very low risk, so um, there's just there's there's not much there. So I I think that, yeah, it's fine, you know. Like, is it a unbelievable deal? No. Like, was there some better options? Maybe, but like, realistically speaking, I 
you know, I think the Bucks sort of did the best job they could with the, the hand they were given. So, um, you know, we knew that, especially once Tom Brady's cap hit of $35 million was going to be absorbed this year, you kind of knew that, like, yeah, they weren't going to be in that Derek Carr market or the Lamar Jackson market or the Aaron Rodgers or um, really, or even, you know, like a, another tier down, like a Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, they weren't going to be in that sort of market. So I think they got one of the better guys with, Here's the thing about the versus Brissett and and Minshew also falls into this category with Mayfield as well versus Brissett. Brissett, you know what you got. Um, it's a safer option, but Minshew and Mayfield have the more upside. And I still think Mayfield has more upside than Minshew does simply because he was number one overall pick for a reason. I just, I can't, co- um, I can't co-sign with it cousin. I'm sorry. Uh, how many times did Minshew take his team to the playoffs? Can't do it. I can't do it. Can't do it. Okay, that's fine. It's fine. If he did, if he didn't have the mustache, nobody would care about him. So, um, I'm just man. I'm just, if, if he didn't, he have, didn't the mustache, have, if he didn't have the mustache, nobody would care. What was the name of that old? Was it Kyle Orton who was like a weird looking guy for a little while? He looked yeah, like Kyle a Orton. Well, Kyle Orton had the you know he had like the kind of the longish hair and he had the the mustache and this stuff. But then Charlie Charlie Whitehorse was like look uh, the clipboard Jesus. Yeah. Um. So there, there's been a few guys that have had some some pretty luscious locks. Yeah, uh, can't forget Fitzpatrick, right? Just got to yeah, stay humble, beard, baby, just, rocking the beard yeah. in Tampa Bay. Uh, I mean, can never forget that. So let's get into the next free agent acquisition for the Bucks. Following the pattern of getting younger, this time along the defensive line, big D tackle Greg Gaines, the former Rams defensive lineman. He was a starter. Played a lot of games there. Won a Super Bowl there. They signed him to a one-year deal on Monday. Yeah, they signed him to a one-year deal. It was on a Monday, but I forgot to take that out of my notes. Um, They reunited him with former teammate Vita Vea. Uh, I don't think he played with Joe Tryon Shoyinka, did he? I don't think so. I think think it might have been a year or two gap between those guys. Um, But, you know, something that we have talked about a lot over these last few weeks, especially on the defensive side of the ball and and what we're going to see on the defensive line this following uh, this upcoming season, the Bucks are just banking on more young talent. You know, Gaines has been in the, uh, been in the league for a couple of years, but he's definitely younger than some other guys. They could have gone out and gotten still in his twenties, I believe. So, uh, you know, younger talent, fresh faces and approve it deal for a guy who was a bona fide starter for, you know, the Super Bowl champions of 56. So I, I like it. I gave it a B. I mean, you know, younger, I don't want to say less developed, but, you know, less of a sure thing than maybe some other guys they could have gotten. But for the price that they got them and for what they could have afforded, you know, it, it, I, I like it. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to give it a B. Plus. I, I think it's really good. Um, and, uh, He's only 26, so that's that's a key there too. Had eight and a half sacks the last two seasons, um, and was a, a rotational player. But he also was a starter at times for for LA. So, um, eight, and I, I was sa- actually, eight and a half sacks for a rotational DT, an interior guy is is pretty yeah, pretty you know, good. In, in, over, even over two years, and I mean, he's honestly considered a um, more of a, a run. You know, like a, not really a run stuffer, but a better run defender than pass rusher. But I've talked to a few people that think that like, his pass rush ability is pretty uh, underrated. So um, he's got some potential there. And here, that's the thing you mentioned about the 
the the age thing and that's what i like about this bucks for agency sure you can go after the you know the veterans the 31 year old 32 year olds you know akeem hicks and stuff like that julio jones and everything but there's also that market of those guys that are veterans but they're young veterans ryan neal 27 greg Gaines, 26 baker mayfield 28 like you know i mean chase edmonds who we're going to talk about a little bit yeah exactly so you know, that's what I like about it is that these guys are veterans, but they're not like they're not old. Like they and they they hopefully still have some juice left because I think we can all agree. I think the Bucks were a very slow team last year. They just they they you know explosive plays on offense, um, explosive plays on the defense. They didn't come because I, I think they were just very slow. So hopefully by getting those younger guys, they get a little bit more juice going. And um, I think a guy like Gaines could really help that. Am I expecting him to be a full-time starter? I think in an ideal world, probably not. Um, because I think he's best in his role as a rotational guy. I think he could be a guy or, you know, if you play him too much, maybe he starts to get exposed a little bit. He is a little bit undersized for that position, but, um, I do think in his role in a specific rotational role, this could be a tremendous value for the bucks. Yeah. And let's not forget, you know, when you talk about the role that a guy like that is going to have on a Todd Bowles defense, as opposed to maybe any other defense in the NFL, is that we cannot rule out the possibility of you know watching him drop back into coverage five six snaps this year, just like we've seen Vita Vea do and Dominic Sue. You know what I mean? He could he could line up as an outside linebacker, just standing up, <laughs> looking at the right tackle. For all we know, there's a lot of things that could be done. So you know it'll be interesting to see. Uh, obviously, Todd Bowles open up his tool book on the defense this year, but hopefully get the most out of a guy like Greg Gaines getting younger along that defensive line and another fifth year edge rusher. On that defensive line here, the Bucs were able to retain Anthony Nelson. Ten and a half sacks over the last two seasons and uh, some pretty crucial plays down the stretch in 2022. Obviously, the big force fumble in Seattle, I think, was play of the year for him. Um, You know, more rotational talent, but he's been fairly productive as rotational talent. And when we talk more and more uh, about Shaq Barrett getting a little bit older, coming off of injury yet again, you know, you hope to see some more positive development from a guy like Anthony Nelson, because I think later in the year, uh, depending on the situation the Bucks are in, you know, as the season goes on, I think you're going to see more and more of, of Nelson on the field. I think the snaps are just going to go up as the season goes on. Um, so with that being said, you know, I know the deal he got for what the Bucks could pay for a rotational edge rusher. It did seem a little rich at the time. So I think that's the only thing laying this down. Um, you know, if he blossoms into what the Bucks hope a fifth year pass rusher can be, I would love to see it because I'm a big fan of Anthony Nelson. I love the development over the last two years in particular. If we see some more of that in 2023, I think this could be better for the Bucks. But as of right now, with what you know about Nelson, with what you know about needing some help at the outside linebacker um, position, you know, if you don't see that development, then this is a, a C plus for me. I know it's kind of stiff because I like Nelson a lot, but it was just rich and and value has kind of been a uh, been a been a talking point so far. Yeah, I'm gonna go with a C. Um, it, it hasn't done that much to do with the the player. It's just I just would. It's not necessarily Nelson the player. It's Nelson the type of player. To me, a lot of his sacks, and yes, he's had the sack production, you know, specifically the last two seasons, but a lot of the sacks have come in one way. He's uncovered, um, and he just gets the guy first. 
Um, so some botches on the offensive line and sure, give Nelson credit there. Sure. But at the same time, like, I don't know if he can keep up that sack production. If he does, it's a good deal. If he gets even better, it's a great deal. But I just, I don't know if he's going to keep up that sack pace that he's set. You know, I, I, I just, I don't know. So I, I would have preferred you with the limited resources they had um, to allocate that money somewhere else uh, to maybe a different type of player. I think they need more pass rush. Like, and I just don't know if Nelson is going to provide the pass rushing upside that somebody else in the market could have. And I don't know who that name is, but like, you know, you could have maybe made something else work if you didn't go get Nelson. And I don't hate the move. It's fine. You know, you're rewarding your players. You know, that, that, that is what it is. You know, you are rewarding your players that you drafted and developed. That That's that's a sign of a healthy organization. But it's just, I don't know. Would it, it, It's kind of nitpicking, but just would have preferred somebody maybe a little bit different. But it's not the end of the world. Uh, I do think he's going to play more so. I, I Actually, I disagree with you a little bit. Um, if he's playing in the middle of the season or later in the season more, that's trouble because that means that either Shaq Barrett one isn't good or isn't responding to the injury or Joe Tryon Shawinka is looking like a bust because well, what um, are the chances you think one of those two things are going to happen and you're I, as realistic I, I, as they come. I, I think, I think Barrett might have trouble coming back from the injury. I think something's got to give. I think Joe Tryon, I think Joe Tryon Shawinka is good. So. I, I think something's got to give. I also believe Joe Tryon Shawinka is good. I'm a fan of Shaq Barrett, but Again, he kind of has not been the same guy since he's come back from the injury, and it's just it, – it's been a well, nagging you, 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 you don't know. You, you, you don't, don't know. know. You're <laughs> right. You don't know. We You don't know. We didn't quite get the sample size we wanted in 2022. He was doing some positive things early on in the season, so let me give him credit. But uh, we just have to wait and see. So I'm glad, though, that – I mean, I don't want to say I'm glad, but, you know, I, I gave it a C plus, and I was, like, thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, this is a little stiff. You know what I mean? Like I like I wonder what wonder what Evan's reaction was going to be. And you come in with the with the C, man. You just stamp it on down. So yeah. I feel better about giving it a C plus. I do think it is potentially a move that could have some upside. But again, banking on younger talent, all of the stuff we've said before. Moving on, I, I bring this guy up because following the trade of Shaq Mason, there is now an opening at offensive guard for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Maybe on both sides. We just have to wait and see. Uh, Aaron Stinney is back with the Bucks on a one-year deal. A 2020 postseason standout. Stinney is obviously going to get a job to win a starting job at guard. I think he's going to get a chance. I mean, he got a bona fide chance before he got hurt last year. He was in the mix headed into 2021. Um, you know, season-ending injury, it's going to be interesting to see what he comes back from. But I don't see any reason why he shouldn't get a fair shot. And being a rotational reserve guy who we know has stepped up in the past, barring injury, I think he is a depth piece that you could lean on if that's, you know, worst case scenario for him headed into this year. Uh, I gave this move a B minus. Um, yeah, so I mean, Stinney's unfortunate. I mean, his season ended before it even started because he got hurt in the second preseason game versus Tennessee. Um, and that was, you know. I mean, two weeks earlier, Ryan Gento went down, and then Stinney goes down. You're oh like, yeah, oh, that, man, that, that you know. set it. That set it off. I mean, we thought we were going to lose the entire O line by week two. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, it sucks for Stinney, but happy you know that he's able to be back. Like you said, 
it's a major injury. So while it is going to be a long time removed from that injury, you never know how somebody's going to respond to that. It was an Achilles, if I'm not mistaken. It, it was ACL, ACL okay. and MCL, I think. Yeah, Shaq Barrett was the Achilles. Um, so, I mean, but it's it's a major injury. You don't know how he's going to respond. But, yeah, it's a fine deal. Uh, it provides you, if he's the starter, okay. If he's not, it provides you depth. And if he's not good, then you just cut him. Like, if somebody's better than him, then just cut him. So, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a B. It's, it's fine. Yeah, and, yeah. and Stinney, Stinney has played fine. He's a serviceable I don't know if he's a full-time starter for you. I think you might get in trouble if he's starting all 17 games. But, like, if he can come in and, you know, and spot start kind of, I, I think um, I, I think he could be a really valuable piece. So, yeah, it's a fine deal. Yeah, and, and come training camp, when we talk more and more about solidifying a left and a right guard, I think the name's obviously in the mix. Nick Levert got to be in there. Robert Haynes, he's going to be in there. Will uh, Aaron Stinney's going to be in there. Excuse me. Luke Gedeke may or may not be in there. We got to wait and see what happens, you know, at right and left tackle as well. Um, but I think I think after the draft, we should get an answer on that sooner or later. Maybe around OTAs, which we are, what, 10 days away from voluntary workouts at one buck place, if I am not mistaken. And then after that, we enter the dark times for a little bit. After yeah. after the draft, everything slows down. Just after the draft, it is it is the the wasteland of news and just you got about what probably like I would say after a week after the draft, you still got some stuff to talk about. But then after that, the whole month of May and then pretty much most like the whole month of June and like half of July is just nothing. <laughs> Well, uh, we're definitely planning to have some content for you guys, yes, a little more yes. than we have in previous years. I will say here on the show, we've always been known, you know, between the end of April and like the start of July, you know, we'll put out like three or four podcasts. And and I promise I will make a vow to you today on April 5th, 2023 at 332 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, not Standard Time, Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, that we are definitely going to do our best to bring you some more off-season coverage and, and get you through this final hump before we really start getting excited about football. But we also have spring football holding us over, right? XFL wrapping up here, USFL getting started in a couple of weeks. So it's definitely always on. Hockey playoffs right around the corner. Baseball is back. A lot to be excited about. But, you know, something else we can we can surely be excited about are these last two signings that we're going to talk about today on the show because you want to talk about value, and retaining talent, uh, these are the two best signings for me. I mean, they, no, real, they really real, are. Real, real, real quick then, let's just give, uh, yeah. just quick, because we'll talk about that. Just give the quick grade on uh, Chase Edmonds. Oh, yeah, my bad. Oh, holy hell. We we totally went around Chase Edmonds. All right, yeah, so just, for people just, just who are not really familiar, quick. It's... Yeah, former Denver Miami running back Chase Edmonds. You potentially pair him up with Rashad White in 2023. Uh, serious upside with this guy. You had talked about how you're a pretty big fan of him. He could be a reliable set of hands for whoever is under center. But personally, I mm, I don't know if I'm sold all the way on him as running back to at least being as reliable and, and, you know, dependent on him as they may need to be. I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't rule them out drafting a running back early, but uh, I gave it I gave it a B minus. I know that's kind of a common theme for me, but, you know, B minus is, is just what I felt about this one. And that's that's because I don't know. I, I don't know. He He's one of those veterans like you had mentioned. Um, what, 26, 27 years old? Yeah, he's 26. Yeah, so yeah. we'll see what happens. Could be some upside, but he is a running back, and uh, I don't know. I guess we just have to see how good Rashad White is, because if neither of those guys are good, then we're going to be in trouble. 
Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so I, I, I was wrestling with a C plus and B minus. So I'm, I'm going to go, I'll go B minus too. Um, yeah, I think it's, again, it's fine. Um, yeah, and there's no, again, just like McLaughlin and stuff. There's no guarantee that he's the running back too. Like they, I do expect them to draft one. I don't know if it's going to be early. Like, I don't think it's gonna be B. John Robinson or anything, but like, would it shock me on day two? No, but like I would expect it more on day three. Um, but like, yeah, I do think they're going to add somebody. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But yeah, it's, it's fine. All right. Let's wrap it up with these two signings as well. Uh, we could probably group these guys together before we mention the big two. Um, Deidre Sinat was brought back on a one-year deal. Pat O'Connor was brought back. Cam Gill, at outside linebacker, was brought back. Rotational talent for the Bucks, You know, depth guys. Yep. Um, Pat O'Connor definitely earned that contract, made a couple of big plays on special teams. Deidre Sinat for a rotational guy, I thought made more plays than I expected him to last year. So so obviously glad to see him back. And then, um, you know, Cam Gill is is Cam Gill. He has shown us some upside before and, and kind of been a, a – a name that stuck around these past couple of years, uh, but he is obviously back in Tampa Bay. So let's get into uh, let's get into the two biggest signings in my opinion. The first one is uh, Levante David coming back, extending his career in the Red and Pewter with a one year deal. Um, what more can really be said about Levante David? I mean, I poured my heart out, you know, three four weeks ago talking about how I could not bear to lose number fifty four. I, I could not live with myself if I witnessed him in another team's uniform. Luckily, I do not have to. But, you know, as much praise as we give Levante David and all of it is earned, in reality, I think we had kind of hinted on this before, uh, probably didn't fetch the market price he expected. And to be honest with you, you know, I do think he got more competitive deals. But, you know, with the deal the Bucks were able to give him, I think he was he was kind of kind of happy to give him a break at the end of the day it's a team-friendly deal for the bucks i, I think he could have gotten paid more elsewhere um but I, I give this an a i mean it's your best defensive player back for another season the guy has been a model of consistency and and to be honest i i, I really didn't see him slow down at all last year so i expect more of it this year it's a one-year deal if he wants to retire if he wants to go after that big contract we'll wait and see but it was a stacked linebacker free agency class and and you know other teams were looking for linebackers so I'm glad he's back. Well, it was a stacked linebacker for agency class, but not a stacked linebacker draft class. So that's why it's really important that they were able to um, to bring him back. And it just, you know, whenever he's discussed, it just didn't feel right for him to to end his career anywhere else. So and and you know, and it just isn't to say is it's his last season. Like he could play still. Um, but you know, just like you said, he probably had some some better offers on the table. He may have left some money, not too much, but at the end of the day, it's a business. So like, if they're close, he'll lean towards Tampa, and that that might have been what happened. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's only a one year deal, so um, yeah, I, again, pretty good value for the Bucks. So yeah, I'll go with an A as well. It just it had to happen. So Levante David, very few guys nowadays and uh play their whole career with one team and Levante David's one of those guys and it's deservedly so. Well hey. hopefully hopefully as it yeah. plays his career with, with one team. It's but yeah. it's it's looking more and more likely with this DL because there was the real chance like, oh Levante David might not be back, like and now he is, so it's good to see. Yeah, I mean, the cornerstone of this Bucks defense for a lot of years. Uh, so when it's all said and done, he will be one of the franchise legends, but obviously happy to see him back rocking the red and pewter for another year. You want to talk about potential cornerstones for this Buccaneers team and Buccaneers defense in particular. 
this is the home run signing of the offseason for me. Uh, the retention of Jamel Dean, not only to bring him back below market value, but to bring him back on a four-year bring him back, period. Four-year <laughs> deal. I mean, we were telling people on this podcast, not just me, who is the eternal optimist. You were also telling people, James was on here telling people, hey, get ready, there's a storm coming. Jamel Dean, Levante David may or may not be here. Come well, training camp we, we, we were talking about Levante David. Like, okay, there's a chance. Uh, Jamel Dean, I, I Dean, was sold. We were... I was sold that it was he was gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, oh, he's gonna go cash out. I'm happy for my boy. It is what it is. But this is a guy who made it clear with what he said he wanted to stay in Tampa, and and for the price that they got him, like I said, well below market value. This move to me cannot be anything else other than an A plus because nobody expected it to happen. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll go with an A. Uh, I wanted to give Levante David and Jamel Dean uh, the same grade. So, um, but yeah, it's it's crazy. I, I I didn't expect it to happen, and I was yeah I was very surprised. And for the price too, um, and I think. Uh, I forget. I think it might have been Mike Garofolo said, like, you know, the Bucks made their offer and like this was it. Like this was as far as they could go. And Jamal Dean was able, you know, able to work it out. So I'm sure he had again, he probably had some bigger offers, but I also don't think his market was what many of us expected it to be. Because if it was, then I think he would have been gone. We were talking about him getting 17, maybe 18 million dollars a year. And I mean, if he was getting those offers, he wouldn't have returned to Tampa. So, because like I said, at the end of the day, it's a business. But to retain Jamal Dean was huge. Keep that number two corner, one of the the players who keeps progressing each year um, for the Bucks. And so now they don't really have to focus on a corner in the first round if they don't want to. They have that option now. Um, and that's why I think a lot of this free agency has, has done for the Bucks. It's get their options at 19 and the rest of the draft pretty well open. Um, they're not pigeonholed into anything. You could say maybe tackle because they don't really have a solution at left or right tackle yet, depending on where you would, if you have Tristan Wirfs moving, if you have him staying. So um, that's maybe the one position where you're like, oh, like, you know, you need a guy there. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so far I really, um overall grade for the Bucks, so I'll give him an A, honestly, for the overall free agency, just because while it's not groundbreaking, it's nothing groundbreaking, what they were able to do with the limited resources they had is why they earned that grade. So um very impressive work. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm just gonna echo exactly what you said. I, I mean the biggest topic headed into the offseason, you know, is this massive cap hit that they're gonna take and this you know, $55 million over the cap of, of what they're looking at, the money that they're going to have to shed, the players they are going to have to get rid of. People looked at that free agent list and they're, oh, everybody's crying and, you know, everybody's really, really upset. And, you know, I, I would say the expectations were not great. People knew the Bucks were going to have to pay for it. And, and some people were obviously, you know, maybe a little over optimistic. Like I don't think any realistic person should have ever thought at any point we were going to go get an Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, I do think there was a small enough chance for Derek Carr to, you know, say that at one point I thought that was going to be the guy, but as time went on, you started to get a more realistic understanding of just how deep in the hole the bucks were financial uh, financially. And you knew Carr wasn't going to be an option. Uh, they were not going to be going after Lamar Jackson, but you know, even with the signing of Baker Mayfield, Baker haters aside, you look at the value and you look at 
ultimately the team the Bucks are going to be able to field week one, I mean, you're, you're counting on a lot of best case scenarios here, but so is every team in the NFL. So it's like you have to count on a lot of things to go right, just as you do any team in a year. But, you know, guys keep progressing. Joe Tryon Shoyinka keeps progressing. You hope Jamel Dean keeps progressing. You hope Chase Edmonds can be a serviceable running back too, because if he's your starter, that obviously means something has gone wrong with Rashad White, who you hope can play to the best of his ability. You hope whoever wins this quarterback competition can play to the best of their ability, whether it's Baker or Kyle Trask. A lot of these young guys on the defensive line, you know, Shaq Barrett's not getting any younger, but you hope that he can play well coming back. Like you're hoping for a lot of best case scenarios, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, if everything runs the way that it should on a football team that is serious about winning games, the Bucs can be competitive. Are they going to be a Super Bowl? uh, Are they going to be a Super Bowl contender? No, not at all. That's not what we're going to sit here and say. Um, But I, I think, you know, if really anything on that offense improves off of what we saw last year, I don't think you can count them out as a team that could that could sneak up and maybe win seven, eight, nine, maybe, maybe 10 games. But as of right now, that's that's my expectation for what their ceiling would be. But I, I get a much better feeling about this uh, this Bucks team now than I did before free agency. So I was going to give it a B plus, but I will co-sign with Evan. I will give it an A because uh, I think if the Bucks can can come out of the departure of Tom Brady and still field a team that can be somewhat competitive, then, I mean, that's a win. You know, because because I think a lot of people thought it was going to be a lot worse. Yeah, I mean that last sentence right there um, was pretty much it. Like, you know, when when you're like, oh, time's come. You know, like it's time to time to start paying off the debts and stuff. Part, and part, like, party's over. I, I mean, they kind of have. Like, I don't know. Like, they lost Cancel Mike Christmas Edwards. Christmas kitchens closed. You know, like Mike Edwards, Count O'Neill. Like okay, you know Sean Murphy Bunting departed. Okay, I I don't know. Like they, they didn't really lose. Like they signed their top two guys. They signed Anthony Nelson. Like and then they added a veteran quarterback for a competition. Added some depth along the defensive line. Added a uh, some running back depth. Just added a safety. Like it's it's again it's about as best as you can ask for uh, with the circumstances. And if you were disappointed, like hey, that's your opinion. But at the same time, I'm not sure what you were expecting, and it also could have been ten times worse um, because the Bucks could have decided, hey, we are taking all the hits this year. Right, Levante, right. thank you, but goodbye. Jamel Dean, thank you, but goodbye. They could have, but you know, yeah, and they want to remain competitive. They see how they. The potential of the NFC South, like you said, are they a Super Bowl contender? No. Can they win the division? Is it likely? Maybe not. But can they do it? Yeah. Like it, it's not like it's not possible. Like it is certainly not possible. And just like you mentioned, a few things. If a few breaks go their way, a few of the younger players develop a little bit more. Um, you know, the obviously the two X factors I think are quarterback and offensive coordinator. If both those things are somewhat decent, you could have a nine-win team on your hands. And honestly, a nine-win team might be enough to win the division. So who knows? Yeah, and obviously we have to wait and see. The first few weeks will be pretty telling. But on paper, when you look at this team across the board and you look at the departures, you know, you mentioned a Sean Murphy bunting. You mentioned a couple of other players. Leonard Fournette. Donovan Smith. Uh, obviously, left tackle, we have to wait and see. That's You're not going to... I'm not going to say it's a foregone conclusion that the Bucks did not fall off a cliff at the left tackle position, but 
aside from quarterback and potentially left tackle, when you look at all the departures they've had, Josh Wells also, we forgot to mention that, no longer a buck. I mean, he's a rotational guy, but it is what he, it is. I don't even know. I don't know why the Jaguars signed him. He's not going to be ready to start the season. I didn't realize he was entering year 10. Yeah, he's he's not going to be ready to start the season. Yeah, he, I, I don't he, know. He, he, I think he tore his Achilles on Christmas night. <laughs> like, he's not going to be ready. I know, I know. That's pretty brutal. But um, all of that to say, as far as free agency and, and the guys that left, the guys that replaced them don't feel like a massive drop-off, aside from quarterback and aside from potentially left tackle. But if Tristan Wirfs is your starting left tackle week one, then I don't know if we're going to be having this conversation. So, you know, with that being said, it, I do think the Bucks came out of this uh, in better shape than we all expected them to be. So so an A grade for, for both of us, um, I like it, man. You know, that Jamel Dean A plus really, really kind of, really kind of swung it in my favor. We'll give it a, a, we'll give it a end of the year assessment test curve. You know, the bell curve that everyone has on the, on the testing system. Sometimes mm-hmm. I don't know if you do that in your state, they do it down here in Florida every year. Cause we're all dumb, but, um, yeah, that's what we'll call that. I like it. Something Bucks fans can feel good about and, uh, something that we're going to be talking about a lot more as everything develops heading into OTAs voluntary workouts here in just a couple of weeks and uh, training camp this summer should be a lot of fun. But ladies and gentlemen, with that being said, I believe that's just about going to do it for this week's episode of the Cannon Fire podcast. You can follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire podcast, best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily you can also find his written work at BucksNation.com and follow him on Twitter at EvanNFL. Any articles you have uh, cooking right now? Well, at BucksNation.com, all of us are doing the uh, our draft profiles. So currently, I actually just had Devon Witherspoon coming out today. Probably probably not going to be there for the Bucks at 19, but um, I did profile him. I also profiled Drew Sanders, but I mean, we got a bunch of prospects. Uh, Anthony Richardson's there, Tyson Spears there. So um, yeah, head over to BucksNation.com to read all about them and, you know, maybe get some insight on some potential Bucks draft picks. Yeah. Next time we talk to you guys on this podcast, we're going to get more into our pre-draft coverage, maybe some special guests. We'll highlight obviously some offensive and defensive playmakers, the Buccaneers could look to target in the early rounds, even the later rounds. Hell, I mean, Evan loves his draft coverage, man, so you never know. Last but not least, you can find myself on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Instagram and Twitter, actually, not Facebook. Uh, all of those are Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. But that's the show, folks. Like I said, next time we talk to you, we'll kick off our NFL draft coverage Fire up the mock draft machine and uh, get at us on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Speaking of Twitter, I totally forgot to mention it. Let's close the show with this. This week's Bucks poll over on twitter.com forward slash Redicus. You can participate in the weekly Bucks poll over there. We asked the people, how would you grade Bucks free agency? 32% of people gave it an A. 43% of people gave it a B. 19% gave it a C. And 6% give it a D or lower. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts in the comments. If you're watching over on YouTube, what would you grade Buccaneers free agency? What could they improve? And, um, you know, let us know. We love the feedback. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Rhett Matthew, signing off for my co-host, Evan Walsh. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, go Bucks.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.